We are in the mood for fantasy football with your week six waiver report. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network's fantasy football director. With me is longtime Pro Football Network fantasy analyst, Tommy Garrett. You can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell, and you can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. Make some noise with us. Let us know what questions you have. Let us know what feedback you have. We always like to hear it. Today, we're going to walk through some notable names you might be considering adding off waivers this week. Tommy, before we jump in, any fantasy thoughts on yesterday's Nailbiter? It's it's one of those games where you go into a Monday night, and let's say you have like, you know, a 90-whatever point lead, and you think you're safe. You're just going to kick back, relax, and watch a game, and the next thing you know, you end up losing because it was an incredible game. Lamar Jackson puts up... 504 yards. He's the first player ever to have over 400 passing yards and like 80, and it's still complete like 85% of his touches of his passes. It was an incredible performance out of him. Mark Andrews, you're that's the upside that you expect out of him. He's never going to be that high volume guy, but he's going to be the guy who can always get you those multiple touchdown games. So it's good to see him back out there. Um, I think the other thing for me was, you know, seeing what Jonathan Taylor can do. Hey, Frank Wright, pay attention. Like, stop giving the ball to all these other running backs. Like, there's a reason you invested the draft capital in Jonathan Taylor. Um, and then also, I think it's a a positive sign if you're a Cam Akers manager in Dynasty, seeing what Marlon Mack is doing because they both suffered the, the um, Achilles injury. So I think it's a positive sign seeing someone who's gone through that same injury still having success, which is a good sign for the future for 2022 for these guys. I really like that take. It's kind of higher level stuff for those of you who are listening that you look at how other players are responding to injuries and every injury is different, obviously, but when you get something similar like that, you can start to pick up on how other players might respond. I I really like that take with Mac. Mac might be a very interesting player uh, as we get into the next couple of weeks, whether or not Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Colts trade him to someone who is desperate for a 15 plus touch running back. Um, I got to say, in my league, I was down 31 with Mark Andrews, and I pulled it out. Uh, did not expect that. I actually drafted Andrews just ahead of TJ Hawkinson. First two weeks, I was regretting it. Last three weeks, I have not been. So that's just it. Kind of came down it. to how you wanted to build your team, though. You have the the volume of TJ Hawkinson versus the touchdown upside of Mark Andrews. So that's if you exactly went it. target heavy, where you had a higher level of like you you had a high floor already with your team then Mark Andrews made sense because you could take on some of that volatility. If you had guys who were already kind of like, eh, boom or bust to a certain extent, then you went T.J. Hawkins over the safer play. So it all came down to how you wanted to manage and try to build your roster. That's a very independent thing for fantasy managers. It's uh, great. And just so you understand the difference between me and Tommy, for me, it was a coin flip. Tommy actually has the analysis uh, to back up the reasoning. Uh, That's (laughs) because I spent a long time trying to convince myself of making those decisions. (laughs) Um, So let's jump right in with uh, waiver wire. Uh, These are not all people we recommend picking up off waivers. All of you have different types of leagues. Some of you 10 teams, some 14, and some of you are in 20 team leagues. So uh, take this for what it is. We're going to try to give you an assessment of whether these guys are worth streaming in typical leagues. And then you can kind of massage your lineup accordingly based on what you think you need. Uh, first one is Trevor Lawrence. We're going to start with QBs. What do you think of Trevor Lawrence in in a, as a streamer potentially uh, in the future weeks? Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys where it's everyone expects the rookie quarterback to come out and have that performance of a Joe Burrow, a Justin Herbert, all those kind of guys. That's not the case. That, that doesn't happen. Going Coming into last year, so from 2010 all the way through 2020, 
there had been 33 quarterbacks selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Of those quarterbacks, only five had finished their rookie season as a QB1. It's, it's just one of the things that they are the outlier. So to see Trevor Lawrence come in here and struggle, it's not surprising. The thing that you you want to see is him limit the turnovers. Um, he's had eight uh, eight interceptions in his uh, games, but in these last two, he has had a rushing touchdown in back to back games. He's starting to look a little bit more comfortable in this offense, which is kind of surprising, giving all the extra drama surrounding this football team right now. But if he limits that the the turnovers, you're getting a guy who kind of brings you that. He can take a ball and push that ball down the field. We've kind of seen him get really paired up well with Marvin Jones, who is one of my favorite, uh, kind of more under-the-radar signings this offseason. And he also has some of that sneaky rushing ability. Let's say if you're a, a fans manager who lost Russell Wilson, right? You're now dealing with him out for an extended period of time. Trevor Lawrence is actually not that far off Russell Wilson. If you take away the interceptions, like these guys are only averaging less than three fantasy points per game difference. The difference is Russ only has one interception. Trevor Lawrence has eight. You neutralize those right there. You're getting kind of the same level of production. And you're looking at a guy who has that QB high end QB two upside and good matchups like he has this week against Miami. He's a guy you can absolutely stream and pick up off the waivers. I, I couldn't agree more uh, that the, the matchups that he has coming up, he's got a few in the next few weeks that are favorable. Um, I love the options plays that were being called with with him and James Robinson. I think it was last week that I saw where sometimes he'd keep it, sometimes he'd hand it off, and it seemed like they were yeah. getting four-plus yards every play they wanted. Um, well, what surprised me is then you heard Urban Meyer come out and say that he didn't think Trevor Lawrence was comfortable with the QB sneak. It made <laughs> no sense to me in that postgame comment. Yeah, it's uh, and I'm sure we will be talking about uh, Jacksonville head coaching at some point uh, later this season because there will be fantasy implications uh, but for now, yeah, it seems like Trevor Lawrence has more potential than what we've seen. Yep. And now with Jacksonville's season virtually over, uh, maybe we'll start to see a little more of Trevor Lawrence airing it out and taking some more risks and getting more acclimated to the NFL, which every rookie goes through. It's just that Lawrence has some favorable matchups to support him. Yep. Uh, what about Trey Lance? You know, they got a bye week coming up now. Jimmy G is presumably maybe still the starter. Trey Lance, arguably, in my opinion, is the future of this team, not Garoppolo. What do fantasy managers do with someone like Trey Lance? I've been high on the Trey Lance train since his freshman year at North Dakota State. My thing with Trey Lance in this rookie class, where I think Trevor Lawrence has like the highest floor, right? I think he's probably going to be the safest prospect that we've seen. Trey Lance might have the highest ceiling. And I think what we saw this last week was probably the lowest it will ever go and even then, he was still productive. Went 15 of 29, didn't really have a touchdown, had the one interception. The 16 for 89 rushing, he has that upside, but we also know that 16 rushes is not sustainable per game over the course of his career. That's obviously going to get uh, drawn back and reined back in by Kyle Shanahan. And I think he's got to – we know how good of a play caller Kyle Shanahan is. There were some questionable things that happened in that game where it was like, okay, was this game script – perfect for uh for trey lance they will figure that out and i agree with you he is the future of this franchise it's a loaded team what was interesting to me was that you know we did this without george kittle and kyle Juszczyk ended up being the number two receiver for the team on the day you've got these guys like debo samuel you've got you know brandon Ayuk, trent sherfield who's apparently the love of uh kyle shanahan right now like this is a very loaded and powerful offense in the ball, in the hands with Trey Lance, who's a great dual threat quarterback, and we think he can succeed in the NFL. He's definitely that guy who I think, if he's going to be a starter, I think you in turn need to start him in fantasy. 
And I couldn't agree more. This summer, I felt like we were on the verge of what we saw when Alex Smith uh, was replaced with Pat Mahomes. And Alex Smith yeah. had that career year and everyone's going, well, what's Mahomes going to do? And of course, Mahomes does better because Mahomes was more talented than Alex Smith. And he just had an incredible team around him. It seems like once Trey Lance gets acclimated, he can do far more than than Jimmy Garoppolo can do in that offense. And he has the weapons to do it as a great Great backfield when they're healthy. Great you don't trade point. away all that draft capital and plan on not making this guy the face of your franchise. That's right. And and the sooner they get going with Lance, the sooner he can start to make an impact when the you know games start to count at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the longer they wait, uh, the more they're in this limbo. They're going to lose out on this season. Uh, Which in, is difficult because they're, they're in the toughest division in the NFL. Like they have That's to right. get going now. That's right. So let's move into running back now, and we'll do a little more rapid fire with running backs just to make sure that we uh, we keep an eye on the time. Devontae Booker, uh, what do we make with Saquon Barkley? It's not as serious an injury as as people feared. Do people run out and get Devontae Booker and start him this week? You can run out and get him. I, I think we, the thing we discussed in our podcast yesterday, I think we saw the high watermark for Devontae Booker. You're not going to get two touchdown games every single week. If you need that RB2 flex play, yeah, you can get him. But don't think you're going out there and, and getting a 20-touch guy. Even if you go out and get him on waivers and end up flipping a trade form for someone who's actually going to be a little more reliable, go for it. I would love that move. Because um, I think he's probably going to be a hot ticket waiver uh, waiver claim this week, and someone's going to be upset that they missed out. If you can see your bid history in your fantasy uh, in your fantasy mm-hmm. league, target that manager and see if they want to have a uh, second shot at Devonte Booker. That's some high end thinking right there. Always know who in your league wants somebody, get him, and then figure out how to trade. Yep. Uh, Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon, Kansas City backfield. What do we, what are what are fantasy managers investing in this week? You can't always get two guys. Uh, depending on your, you know, waiver situation, one of them is going to get snatched up. If the other one, yep. you know, you get, what's the strategy for fantasy managers? For me, if I was going to target a running back, Darrell Williams would actually be my top waiver claim this week for as much as everyone loves uh, Devontae Booker. My thing with Darrell Williams, he also has a longer, I don't want to say like a longer shelf life is a not the best way to put it, but the injury to Clyde Edwards-Alaire dealing with an MCL sprain. That could be anywhere from two weeks if it's grade one. It could be six to eight weeks, and we might not see him again until mid-November. And you're getting him, on, I think, on a better offense as well. I think we would all agree with the Kansas City Chiefs. So he brushed uh, five, for 20, uh, five for 27, caught three of five for 18, and he's had nine touches in, his, in consecutive weeks, including 12 uh, for a score back in week four. He actually also he actually also ran more routes than Jarek McKinnon, even though McKinnon is kind of viewed as that receiving back. I end up running a uh, 24 routes over the game, so I think McKinnon probably has that upside that you're looking for if you are going out there and getting Devonte Booker. I think Darrell Williams is probably the guy you're really wanting on your team. And I agree with you on that. I love the fact. I, I hated it as someone who has. I have both players. I have Darrell Williams and I have Clyde Edwards-Helaire. And I would get frustrated when Williams would poach those touchdowns near the mm-hmm. goal line. Now, of course, uh, I'm hoping Daryl Williams poaches those, you know, exactly not a poach. Uh, they obviously trust him. Yeah. And let's think about it, folks. There's maybe 12, 14 running backs that we can count on to produce every week, even if they don't score. Yeah. So Daryl, so you got to look deeper when you're going and picking up someone on waivers, who's more likely to score Daryl Williams or Devonte Booker. And I think uh, Tommy and I would agree, Daryl Williams gives you a better chance of a cheap touchdown, and that makes him more valuable. Absolutely. Uh, um, what about Michael Carter? Speaking of touchdowns, he surprisingly got one. 
Um, is is he someone who who uh, you know? I I hate to say this. He's on the Jets. So what do we make of this? <laughs> the thing I think the good thing is this is no longer the Adam Gase version of the Jets. We're starting to see this team kind of turned around a little bit. Um, even though if the the showing in London didn't necessarily approve it. Um, with Milo Card is an interesting one because you normally don't target guys who are on a bye week in your fancy in your fans claims, but it's a good chance for maybe a manager to get in ahead of the rush while other people are kind of ignoring the Jets because they might only be looking at okay, what's the week six projected points for the week and searching based off that. Yeah, I think Michael Carter is actually the guy who's probably already taken over the RB1 spot for the Jets. If you look over his last two weeks, he had 23 uh, rushes for 76 yards and two touchdowns, while also adding six receptions for 16 yards. He's had 50% of the snaps over the last two weeks. He also had a rushing touchdown in back-to-back games. It was kind of going to be a messy situation with Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and everyone else on the team while he finally figured out who was going to be the starting running back. They drafted, uh, they drafted Michael Carter out of North Carolina, who was one of the best running backs of this class and probably arguably the best duo with him and Javante Williams, who ended up going to the Denver Broncos. It just took some time for him to work his way in this depth chart. They kind of seeing what they have now. Carter's probably now the RB1 on this team. He's going to have that probably lower end RB2 into flex territory. He's not going to be a guy who's going to be a weekly must start necessarily, but if you're looking for depth, especially with bye weeks coming up, you need those fill-ins. Michael, Michael Carter could be a guy you could use, you know, after week six, once his way, once his um, bye week is over. And I would say if you have four bench spots, let's say, I, I think Carter is a little bit of fool's gold, unless you're desperate for a running back. If you have six or more bench spots, then I think it's worth it to stash him. It really comes down to, we've got bye weeks now starting up. You're going to have to, as, as Tommy alluded to, pick him up, stash him, and then, you know, hope that you can use him in the next few weeks when one of your running backs is on a bye. So you've got to factor all those things in and make sure that Carter's the guy you want. You also want to look at upcoming matchups and make sure that Carter's not going up against the bills or something like that, where you're just, you're throwing away points. Like I, I benched Edwards Hilaire this past week and it ended up saving me because he was facing the bills. I just didn't trust him. Um, And so even a good running back, can be benchable in a bad matchup. And Michael Carter is not going to always get those matchups against a team like the Falcons where he can, you know, where he can have a great shot of producing. So I'm a little more lukewarm on Carter, but agree that he's a good stash at this point if you've got the space. What about Khalil Herbert? Khalil Herbert, I think, is an interesting one where he's not necessarily the guy who's getting all of the attention that's kind of going towards Damian Williams, mainly because he got that touchdown. But if you break down the, the carries, Khalil Herbert actually led the team in carries and yards with 18 for 75. Um, also led, he also led the team in snaps with 34 snaps in this game. It's an interesting one because we kind of have to want, we want to see this Bears offense get better. And the longer I think they have Justin Fields, who brings that more of that dynamic skill set, they will end up getting better. He's kind of getting lumped into that same kind of category with like Michael Carter. Not a guy who you're always going to want to start every single week, but if you have the the depth on your team and you're in a deeper league, possibly maybe something outside of like a 12-team league, something like that, he's a guy who's worth start, uh, worth grabbing. Like I say, he's not going to be a weekly starter, but with Dean Montgomery still out for a decent a decent period of time, he's worth grabbing out there on waivers. As you said, it's, it's hard to find a guy who's going to get this kind of level of production out there every single week. I agree with you. Uh, keep in mind, Herbert had uh, 34 receptions in college. It's not mm-hmm. clear that he's going to give you the PPR points. He might be a little uh, more TD dependent uh, than some other running backs in deeper leagues. He needs to be picked up. 
If you have Damian Williams, you definitely want to spend some fab or use a waiver pick on, on getting him because you need that cushion. You need that insurance these next few weeks. Um, standalone value, I'm, I'm, uh, he's suspect because Damian Williams has the bell cow experience. Mm-hmm. And I think this will still be Williams' backfield as a 1A but Herbert, as Tommy alluded to, you know, no one can deny the fact anyone who's getting 18 carries, that's not a fluke. That's that's a sign that this guy is part of this offense. And the is that there's maybe back, like 12 players who are actually getting week in, week out production that you love. From that point on, it's a lot of committees. So yeah. you just got to target guys with volume. Great call. Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, any quick take on that? Is he someone who's worth stashing with Damian Harris fumbling a second time, getting hurt? If you're in a deeper league, sure. I think you're concerned a little more about maybe just the chest injury because it did leave, end up leaving the game twice, once, and he came back in, and then it finally knocked him back out for the rest of the game, kind of talk about how he was having trouble breathing. Stevenson had that fantastic preseason, uh, but then fumbled the ball, and you kind of lost him up until really literally until this last game where he had 11 carries. Um, I think the fumble for Damian Harris might end up helping his case a little bit. Bill Belichick is, is finicky. You never necessarily know what he's going to do any given week. At least the roster has been thinned down a little bit in terms of the depth chart of options that he has, you know, with the James White injury, um, lost Sonny Michelle being traded. So he's he fits that role of the pure rusher. Um, so I think in a deeper league, sure, you can take a shot on him. But it's we're back to being, once again, where it's very hard to trust a New England Patriots running back. And that's the big takeaway right there is that even if Stevenson comes in and has, you know, a 15-carry, 80-yard day, mm-hmm. Are we so confident that he's now the guy? So you, you're kind of playing with fire uh, anytime you're plugging in a Patriot running back and uh, know that going in if you're going to get Stevenson. Uh, we got five players left to cover. Three are wideouts. Uh, one is one of the heroes of week five uh, who might not play in week six, Kadarius Toney. Uh, what do we make with Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton potentially returning soon? Kenny Galladay's injury, not as serious as expected. Daniel Jones situation up in the air. Uh, wh- what can we expect of Tony? Is he someone who fantasy managers should even trust remotely going forward? I think Tony for me would probably be my top claim this week. Just given that I can't trust anyone on this offense to stay healthy whether it's Darius Slayton with his uh, hamstring, showing Shepard with his hamstring. Kenny Galladay's been injured for the majority of his career, it feels like. The issue you have you do have with Daniel Jones, because all this is dependent on Daniel Jones being uh, the quarterback for this team, because Mike Glenn does not bring the same upside. But the thing I like to see is I like seeing the increase in his targets over these last couple games, Not because it's not just his 13 in this one. He had nine in the game before that. But I think what he has done in this opportunity is he's vaulted up the depth chart to where he's now going to be a weekly starter. Like, you don't spend the 20th pick of the NFL draft on a wide receiver not to use him, and I think he's probably pushed Darius Slayton to the side in the same time frame. So I do like Kadarius Toning moving forward. Like, you won't – you're going to see these up-and-down games most likely. But at the same time, like, a guy who is explosive as he is and creates separation through his routes that opens up a gigantic throwing window for someone like Daniel Jones to hit. I like Kadarius Toning moving forward with the Giants. Wow. Kadarius Tony. No, we we don't pre-plan this, folks. I was not expecting that. Kadarius Tony, number one waiver claim for Tommy Garrett this week. That is uh, that is a first on this show, and and that will be a last on this episode because I will say, uh, do not do that. Uh, I think uh, I think Tony is one of those guys who uh, came up big 
from a confluence of events, not to use a big word there, um, I don't even know what it means, but a confluence of events. It sounded uh, good. That Thank you. I, uh, I'll play it back later and see if it sounded good uh, as well. Uh, to, to make Tony this dominant force that almost came out of nowhere. And maybe some of it is I traded him, as I alluded to on the podcast, I think yesterday, I traded him last week as a throw-in player and a two-for-two two deal. Maybe I'm feeling a little bad about that. Maybe I'm wishing that I hadn't done that. So just take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But I think Kadarius Tony in a subpar passing offense, um, potentially subpar passing offense, it, uh, Daniel Jones played great for the first few weeks, but I'm still not convinced this is a high-functioning passing offense. Evan Ingram hasn't gotten going. Sterling Shepard looked great when he was healthy. Slayton isn't going anywhere, although I agree with you, he's probably the number four now. And the running back situation is still a little bit murky. Um, are we going to start to see a situation where Tony, once Galladay comes back and Tony's healthy, is Tony just one of three guys? Is he like T. Higgins on Cincinnati, where it's just he's one of three guys, and you're just hoping it's his turn to get more than nine points that week. So The thing um, is, that with T. Higgins, several times he's ended up getting that wide receiver two, wide receiver three role. Like I don't think you're going to get the 190 yards you just got in this game. But if you're getting six or so targets for a guy with this kind of upside, like he has Marquise Brown style upside where he's going to have that burner. He's that guy who is going to have the route running capabilities and he could possibly find a touchdown. He doesn't have Lamar Jackson throwing to him for sure. That's but yeah. like he's got upside here. And I think that's, that's what you're targeting. And that's, you want to have that guy. Okay. If I'm wrong about him, fine, but I would rather be wrong about him on my team than be, than fade him. And all of a sudden he ends up turning into some crazy all-star. You know, I think that, that's where in, if you're in these early waiver wire claims like we are right now, this is when you get your best return on investment. So if Tony does end up being in something and you didn't have to blow, you know, a lot of fab to get him, whatever, at least you've got him on your team moving forward for quite some time. And that's a really strong take. I hope everyone plays that back and, and listens again uh, when you're not eating dinner or driving. Um, the, the idea is when we take a player off waivers, it's not just for us. It's also to stop an opponent, an opponent from getting them. So Tommy's take being not just for us, but also a block, if I read that correctly. And that's mm -hmm. a very savvy way of approaching waiver management, uh, roster management using waivers. And uh, uh, you sold me on that. I still don't want to take him number one, but you sold me on the importance of blocking someone else from getting him. Uh, two more receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I know what you're going to say about one of them because you've talked about him before. Uh, what do you got? Uh, put a waiver claim on either of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going all in on Amon Ross St. Brown. It's a guy who I've loved since the draft, and I was still surprised when he fell as much as he did. Uh, seven receptions on eight targets um, for 65 yards in the last game. Quintez Cephas dealing with a broken collarbone, so he's going to be out for quite some time. Uh, Khalif Raymond ended up getting banged up, too. Terrell Williams was on IR. He actually eligible, he is eligible to come back in week six, been dealing with a concussion, so we'll have to see what the, the news is on him. But if you look at his last two games, 13 receptions on 16 targets for 135 yards. We're just waiting on to find that in, find the end zone. It's a guy who, I, like I said, I've loved. I thought you could have switched jerseys with him when he was a freshman at USC with his brother in Green Bay, and the Packers would have gotten better while the Trojans would have gotten worse. Uh, it's I'm all in on Amon Ross St. Brown. It's a team who's going to be playing from behind quite a bit, and garbage time is one of the best times for fantasy points. So, yeah, I love Amon Ross St. Brown. Fantastic. And I'll say Donovan Peoples-Jones, probably fool's gold. You know, it's... it's uh, 
it's a case where you pick him up and then you say, well, Adele Beckham Jr. at some point is going to do something uh, uh, instead of these two uh, awful games in a row. Uh, who would have thought the Browns would score as many points as they did and Beckham wouldn't be involved pretty much at all? No. Uh, Jarvis Landry will be back. Uh, this is not a, an offense well suited for a number two, number three wide out to uh, be a consistent fantasy contributor. So I think he's one of those cases where you just fade people's Jones and you go with someone with a higher upside like St. Brown or even like a Tony. Uh, how about tight end? We'll wrap up here. Uh, David Njoku and Ricky Seals Jones. So speaking of the Browns, but then also switching to Washington, what do you think for a, uh, if, if you're desperate for a tight end right now, if you drafted, uh, you know, I don't know, if you drafted someone in, and if Johnny you drafted Kittle, what do you do now? Do you pick up one of these guys? You can take a shot on them. It's tight ends are a mess. I think we all know that. And if you didn't invest early, which for me, that was my plan going into this year. Like I'm done thinking I'm smart enough to figure out who the next up and coming tight end is. Like I got lucky last year with Johnny Smith year before that it was Mark Andrews, but I, I'm done trying to play the lottery. Just give me one of those top five guys and let me be move on in my life because otherwise you deal this week to week to week. David Njoku, I think, is an interesting one. Uh, this big game actually was enough to put him now as a tight end 13 on the season. Ends up catching seven for 149 and a touchdown. But I think that's what you you know you're getting with with David is that he's never going to be necessarily like high a volume player because they've got three tight ends on this team, but they're using Austin Hooper more as a blocking role right now. But it's that athletic ability where he broke off that 71 yard uh 71 yard touchdown, played on 46 snaps, but he only ran routes on 21 of them. So it's you're you're reliant on the Browns to actually want to involve him in the passing game. I think when you probably get Baker Mayfield and getting him back working again with Odo Beckham Jr., get the return of Jarvis Landry, how much the tight ends are going to be involved in this offense, I think it's probably not going to be enough to make him startable in your normal league. If you need a if you need someone, fine in a deeper league, but it's not someone I think you're going to get a sustained level of play out of. I would say there's probably just as good a case of Blake Jarwin scoring as many points next yeah. week as, as Najoku. So it's, I would trust Jarwin more based on the Dallas Cowboys offense. Yeah. I think that's the case. Some of it is, is, is situation and, and some of it, you know, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. If, if Amari Cooper is hobbled, suddenly Jarwin's looking a lot better, even though the numbers don't support it. Um, uh, the fact that he's on the field, the fact that he is getting targets, and the fact that the TD opportunities are probably going to be a little higher for someone like Jarwin than Njoku. Um, and for Ricky Seals Jones, I'll just say I, I really like him. Uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, tight end desperate fantasy managers out there yes. uh, with Curtis Samuel getting hurt again. Uh, you're really down to two or three offensive weapons if you include JD McKissick as a third. And then it's a, just a, a, a really tough decline at that point, a pretty steep decline of talent. Ricky Seals-Jones fills that void. I think he got five catches for about 50 yards this past weekend. I don't think that's far-fetched to think that he could get you about no. eight to 10 points a week. Um, it, it, the defense is struggling. This is a team that will be playing catch-up more often than not. Um, I think Seals-Jones gives you some sneaky top 10 to 14 value which can get you over the hump if you're waiting for uh, one of your uh, starting tight ends to get healthy. I really like Ricky Seals-Jones, especially this week going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are 28th in fantasy points allowed to the position, so I could see him actually having a good one. Um, I think one more I would throw in there, 
when we do these, we don't necessarily know about your league and also what format or, or where you play, whether it's, you know, Flea Flicker, ESPN, or Yahoo Sleeper. So your roster ships percentage may vary. Check out Hunter Henry. He's sub-50 in the majority of these ones. Yeah. The, the New England Patriots apparently decided, hey, we want to pay $50 million to a blocking tight end with Johnny Smith. Boggles my mind. I don't get it, but I'm not a decision maker. Um, 17 uh, receptions on 23 targets for 185 yards and two touchdowns in his in the last four games this year. Six of eight for 75 and a touchdown last week. Gets Dallas in what should be a high-scoring game. So I would say check a look at uh, Hunter Henry for another option. That's a great hot take. I like it. Um, that is all for us. Again, uh, this is Tommy Garrett over to my left or my right. Depending on where you're looking, I'm BJ Rudell. Uh, check out all Pro Football Network content at profootballnetwork.com. We've got a fantasy page as well on that site, and we'll help you make sense of not just what happened, but what might happen going forward. We will see you all later this week.